0: You're listening to Hot Topics Reframe, topics that are hot with a lot of thought with Becky Hayes and Cedric Taylor. We are talking about a very hot topic. It's critical race theory, and it's been bobbling around on... All kind of media sources for gosh like the last six months and so we're here to talk about that today and we're gonna try to kind of de demystify it because there's a lot of you know misnomer it's like one of those i don't know if anybody's ever watched the princess bride it's like i don't think that means what you think it means type of situation regarding critical race theory and uh that's what we're starting off with but i will um let you, Cedric, begin because you just gave us a talk about this. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I
1: did. Long story short, I was asked to do some sort of presentation on critical race theory on campus. The day before the presentation, somebody from the broader community had called the department. The person was desperately wanting to find out whether critical race theory was being taught at Central Michigan University. Yeah,
0: I heard about this as well.
1: Hysterial. Yeah. According to a Media Matters survey, a certain conservative major cable news outlet mentioned critical race theory 1,300 times in less than four months. <laughs> As of today, 165 local and national groups are trying to disrupt or block lessons on race. Twenty-seven state legislators, including Michigan, have introduced bills banning critical race theory from public schools, along with other discussions about racism. Five states, Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and, of course, Texas, have successfully signed these bills into law.
0: So what I find interesting is that most of the discussion that I've, read about, is really um, more about the fact that, you know, they're not allowing the whitewashing of history anymore, which has nothing to do with critical race theory. It's more of, uh, I mean, it has something to do with that. I should back that up. But it's, it's it's not critical race theory. They're just not allowing... The only, you know, the oppressors to only be the ones who are telling the story, Mm -hmm. you know, just like we have Indigenous Peoples Day now instead of Columbus Day because Columbus came over and committed genocide. And why are we giving him a whole day about that and paying attention more to black, indigenous and people of color? So making sure that their stories and their narratives and what's happening to that group of people have are, are getting centered. And so, I mean, that seems to me that, that, that critical race theory, that's, that's kind of separate, but that's, that's what they're calling it. <laughs> it just makes me like, I'm stuttering now because I'm like, that's, that's not what that is. Um, that is just teaching history from multiple perspectives and decolonizing education. And that's the actual term, everyone. It's called decolonizing education.
1: But there
0: um, is so much backlash and focus on this, like, supposed critical race
1: theory. Critical race theory emerged in the tail end of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And you had these legal scholars, and Becky knows all about this. She's a criminologist. They wanted to figure out why is it that despite all of the gains of the civil rights movement, the condition, the circumstance of African-Americans seemed intractable. Yes, the voting rights law had been passed. Brown versus Board of Education that was a monumental step forward, but looking at the circumstance of African Americans, we still see significant gaps. So what they did was to look into how is it that the legal system was complicit in maintaining some of these sorts of disparities?
0: Yeah, and so I just went and looked at my phone. I was totally listening, but I was trying to re remember the book from a mentor of mine uh, when I was at UF, uh, Catherine Russell Brown. And she was, she she wrote The Color of Crime and she talked very in-depthly about the criminal black man and like how the media perpetuates that imagery. Amazing scholar. And if you're listening to this, Catherine Russell Brown, I love you. Uh, So she was on my dissertation committee and, you know, um, I asked her to be on there because like I was really interested in law and society at that time. And so, yeah, this is not just because I'm a criminologist, but it's it's one of my main areas. So it really has its depth in law and it's, it's about mass incarceration. It's about how society has created all of these laws and policies that are focused on people of color, black, indigenous and people of color, uh, largely how the war on drugs was very obviously don't even get me started on the 10 to 1 law. Like, are you flipping kidding me? You want to tell me that America wasn't like the war on drugs was not straight up racist in America is ridiculous when the 10 to 1 crack cocaine law existed? You used to be able to get a larger sentence for having the same amount of crack that you could cocaine with or essentially the same drug just cut differently. So, yeah, and then eventually they realize, oh, yeah, no, there's too many problems with that. We can't do that. It is racist. Sorry. OK, yeah, no, never, never mind. We won't do it anymore. Um, but we still continue to have problems. The war on drugs is supposedly over, but is it? Um, when people who are already in jail or prison for marijuana or whatever drugs are largely people of color who are less likely to be using the drugs. So, you know, if you're white and you use drugs, you might get away with it. If you're a person of color and use drugs, uh, especially in black folks in, our, in U.S. society, Hispanic as well, Like, or I was told earlier that Hispanic is no longer a term that's appropriate. When my students, they said it's, it's a harmful term. That's what the research says. So I'm back that up. But other people of color, they are more likely to be arrested, even though white folks are more likely to be using it. So, yeah, that's critical race theory right there. It's noticing the policies and the programs that are particularly harmful.
1: And we have all of the research to suggest that. And the thing about it is this, that a lot of us grew up with this notion that the law is fair and not biased and impartial. That's the conditioning that a lot of us come up with in a society like this. Justice Uh, is not blind. Pretty far from being blind. And there are mountains of evidence to suggest so. Part of the resistance to critical race theory is the fact that many Americans haven't been looking at society from a particular lens. And so... As far as they're concerned, society is working as it should. And so no it's an affront to their understanding of what they want America to be. It is an affront to what America, what they've been told all their lives, America is. Yeah,
0: you're explaining cognitive dissonance. If you have a worldview, a belief in something, mm-hmm. and then you start to listen to the opposite side and it makes you uncomfortable because it also makes sense, then you get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. you just really just deeply get uncomfortable with that. You're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. It can't be that. It can't be that. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. uh, I want to leave the room now. Mm-hmm. You know, I <laughs> know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Stop talking to me, person with your mm-hmm. knowledge. <laughs> and if you're still listening to this podcast, <laughs> <gasps> it might be you. No, it's not <laughs> you. You already agree with us. And that's why you're continuing because somebody who doesn't agree with us already turned this off like, you know, five minutes ago, having to love America and like it being unpatriotic to criticize it. You can like love something and still notice the things that are wrong with it. You know, that's what's being open minded.
1: A number of the things that critical race theory talks about isn't unique to critical race theory. Mm -mm. It's an understanding that racism may not look like what you think it might look like. It's not always about cross burning in the backyard or being called the N word or something like that. There is a structure to it.
0: Yeah, I'm just sitting here going like I'm I'm ready to be like, well, um, if anybody wants to give their definition of critical race theory, then they need to provide me at least a reference page with how many books you've read about it. And then you can tell me what critical race theory is. So don't listen to anybody who tells you what critical race theory is unless they can provide you resources, like a reading list. There I said it.
1: <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> Perhaps Breitbart is not the news source that you want to you know refer to in t- terms of getting a definition with anything with respect to race.
0: News generally. Like um, I teach a media and crime class and... We you can get some information from media, and I, I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about journalist journalists or anything like that. That's that's not my intention here. It's just that there is political leanings, obviously, and it is not the same thing as research. Um, and so some of the political means go very far. There's, there's all kinds of sites online that show you how far, you know, a certain type of, you know, uh, media goes in order to, like, you, to make sure that you know what you're getting. And I t- tell my students, if you have um, an information gathering type of session, read from all types of sites and see how they structure the argument. Um, in the different ways and also most of the time people just read the title which the person who reads the or the person who writes the title of uh, a lot of articles aren't even the same person that wrote the article and then you read all the way through and you're like oh man so like yeah this media media is a whole different bag um but like even when you're talking critical race theory like media is saying all these things and like uh, they're not necessarily bringing in scholars, they're getting their sound bites off scholars if they do bring in them at all. And, you know, the story's already written. Um, you know, they've, they've got their perception on it. And that, that doesn't make them bad, but it's, it's, it's a potential, it's just their narrative.
1: One of the things that critical race theory emphasizes is this whole idea of intersectionality. Would you mind kind of like elaborating on what intersectionality is and why is that so important with respect to a theory and race?
0: Intersectionality. Yeah, it is the um, (laughs) whatever your social identity is. And if it's a marginalized social identity, how those intersect in order to create kind of a new sub power of. Terribleness that will happen to you in society. Um, So if you're, you know, if you're a black man, a lot of terribleness happens to you. If you're a black woman, a whole lot of terribleness happens to you because you're black and a woman, and women are also subjugated into in society. And then, boom, bam, you're 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 a gay black woman. Oh shit. (laughs) <laughs> then yeah more more terrible things happen to you being in th- being that uh and then yeah in that and then you're disabled gay black woman oh, bop, 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 bop. you know um there's so many multiple ways that you're being harmed in society um the more marginalized identities you have the more marginalized in society you are and so that's what intersectionality really is it's just like paying attention to all that way and you know the other side of that is Paying attention to your privileges, like you are the mainstream in this way, in this way, in this way, in this way, and then you might be marginalized in this, way, in this way, in this way, in this way, in this way. And paying attention, so you know, I'm a, well, I'm I'm a queer white woman, so I understand my white privilege. So I don't have to deal with race stuff um, unless I want to. I can ignore when the, that kind of stuff is happening, and. I can use my white privilege for good. I can notice how I'm being treated differently than how a black woman would be treated, which, you know, she still has the woman identity uh, and that's happening. But so she's marginalized in that way, just like me. And we can notice that. But she's going to be treated differently than I am because
1: she's black and a woman. It really does kind of shift our understanding about a so-called black experience. There is a temptation for many people to assume that the commonalities among every single black person are greater than than what actually exists. Becky mentioned sexuality. She mentioned class. Well, you mentioned sexuality. Class is also an issue. Yes, of course. Sorry. Yeah. um, And, of course, gender. And that's, I think, one of the, the strengths of this sort of approach. It really forces us to think about how racism has these sorts of differential effects based on these sort of identities that Becky had spoken about. I did
0: talk about ability, too. And ability, like, yep. yes,
1: yes. Something that, that really... That one's kind
0: of invisible still right now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. One of the things about critical race here that has gotten a lot of flack is the imagined impact on youngsters and children.
0: I want to um, give the most wholesome, cute story. Um, they taught civil rights at, um, my partner's daughter's school last year and they had to do like a response and she did a little video and her video made me cry my, my eyeballs out because they were talking about MLK and whether or not, you know, like, you know, MLK and this is stuff and civil rights, blah, blah, blah. And are you, you know, has it, has it changed? Um, in she as uh, she was six. She's six. She was six at the time, because she just she turns seven today. Um, she's six. And she was like, no, no, it hasn't changed. My really good friend, who I love so much, had to move away from next door, because the other neighbor didn't like her. Because the other neighbor didn't like their skin color, and they would yell names at them and they would say things about their skin color, and now, and now she's gone, and I don't have my friend anymore. And I started uh, bawling, and we, we know when, when that happened, and we had um, tried to help her help with that. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. Lots of stuff happened there. That's for another day. But um, it was she, as a 6-year-old, she she had to witness some of like the meanness that was happening to her friend who was, base around the same age as her, and the other kids there, and and hear the mean things that this other neighbor was saying. So the point where this this family ended up moving, and get the, their the harassment around it, uh, and she knew it was wrong. She's like, why would they say what what? What's this word? And I was like, oh, don't say that word. It was the n word. And I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, um, that is not a nice word, and that is this. This is the reason why this is happening. And she had to witness this. And as a you know, as a white child, like she, you know, she's just like, but I have I have white skin, so they're not going to treat me that way. And I'm like, probably not. Mm -hmm. And so teaching white children the history of America and what has happened that doesn't. That doesn't, does not, doesn't mean what they think it means. It's just teaching them to be kind, empathetic, and understand mm-hmm. why uh, this continues to happen. Because it's not gone.
1: The concern that a lot of parents have, it really is about how race is discussed in these sort of settings.
0: But they've never had any problem, and sorry to interrupt, Like they've never had any problem with how the courses have been taught already, where they're whitewashed. Like where history is just like... Columbus ruled the day and all these things. Like, they've never had a problem with that until we're like, no, we don't need just African American History Month in February and a Women's History Month in March. It should probably be year round. Um, You know, that it's just not just centering white, cis, het men's experiences in all things. This is a long time coming. We want change. Uh,
1: it is extremely unlikely that critical race theory is being taught to children in K through twelve.
0: Yeah, elementary school in and elementary... secondary, and in secondary school, yeah.
1: It's unlikely. It's
0: it's it, it's not. I really don't think so because it's a very complicated aspect of theory. All they're doing is more inclusivity regarding the full education. And actually some of those things were already being taught. They just weren't taught as extensively or centered in the same way that they're being centered now because there's a certain amount of acknowledgement that this is what happened and let's focus more on what we did wrong and what was going on and make sure that we're acknowledging that
1: you had political operatives who were looking for the perfect wedge issue. Critical race theory is really and truly that boogeyman that that has worked to great effect. And the thing about it is they do this because it works. Inject race into the discussion and things change.
0: Feminism too. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. Um, well, mainstream media, because of the media and crime class that I teach and that I've had to like a lot of research on and read, read and read and read and read and read and read. I read about 100 books a year. I'm not kidding, folks. It's too many reading. Um, but there is a connection with media and politics and mainstream media in particular. It is connected in the way that they do intentionally choose the topics that they're going after in the way that they're going to go after them. They do. And, um, so this is one of those. Um, yeah, (laughs) It, it just is, but they, they need people to watch. They need people to read. They need clicks. They need likes. They need, they need all of that. Um, it's, it is still capitalistic. They need money. They need revenue. Uh, they do. It's not the same thing as research.
1: I do think that those political interests know this, exactly what you've been talking about. They know that the media will take this and run with it. And what they are successfully doing is poisoning, making toxic every discussion about race. A number of different things that have nothing, and you said it earlier, that have nothing to do with critical race theory has been lumped in. Any discussion of race has now been made or the plan I believe is to make it toxic just in time for the midterms next year.
0: Do you think it's intentional entirely? You do?
1: I believe that.
0: Or that it's there's just a lot of people that are, you know, I guess pawns in the game, too. So like that's I think some of the people that are engaging in these discussions are believing what other people are telling them.
1: I honestly I do believe it's manufactured. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. They have thought about this. They yeah, have that's... cultivated it. And I yeah. believe that the timing of it is just so int- critical race theory has been around. I know. Since the 1970s, yeah. if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know the exact date, right? but I, I know a lot I've known about it for the last 15 years. And I found it really funny that it was brought out recently and now it's like a a problem.
1: I think, too, it has a chilling effect. People are going to be less willing to talk about these sorts of things. It's a classic divide and conquer strategy. Yeah, it's a wedge issue.
0: Yeah, no, I was yeah. It it really is, it, and it is in the way that we won't be able to talk about anything race related because it's now become an all encompassing term for any kind of race discussion.
1: What do we do? About things like this concept being weaponized. We saw it with feminism. Still, and, we're seeing it, yeah. and it still continues. And it still continues. Where do we go from here?
0: Education for, for me. People have to be open minded and listen. I, I don't str- struggle with the question because we are already doing <laughs> these things. Mm-hmm. So I feel mm-hmm. like we're doing our part. Um, And educating. I mean, we're doing even a podcast about it, but like we're we're fighting the good fight here, you know, making sure that we're electing policymakers that are not anti this. And then like, you know, in our communities, if if there's a certain like school function that's happening where parents are like, no, no critical race theory because you're teaching that slavery exists. And it's like, yeah, they're already doing that. Let me show up and speak my voice, you know, you know, all that stuff on a small scale um, also makes big impact. And, you know, if it's something that you care about, you care about this. You want to make sure that you're educating around this type of topic. You know, you, you can do all of this stuff.
1: This has been another fascinating conversation with Cedric Taylor and I guess my
0: name is Becky Hayes. Yeah, that's my name today.
1: And uh, tune in next time for another hot topic. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you.